0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Andrew Langer in for Tony Katz today. As we're going to be joined in a little bit by uh, Ken Davis, who's an attorney, uh, works with the Federal Society, and Matt Forrest, or Four Eyes. We're going to get, uh, Jason's going to get me the pronunciation. He's from Landmark Legal uh, to, to talk about the various cases against Trump um i got uh, got this on the uh, the twitters by the way uh listener craig writes uh, hi andrew listening to the tony cat show i think democrats do know what they're doing and they don't care all they are seeking is potential fu- future voters and I, and I think that's true right i, I think but it's part true uh, so i'm gonna agree with you craig i want to be really sure about this um they do want to grow the voter base uh for a lot of reasons uh, but it's also about, as uh, um, as Doug Collins, Congressman Doug Collins, pointed out on this panel I did at CPAC this last weekend, uh, it's also about expanding the size of government. The two go hand in hand here. Um, and, and so we have to be really clear. There are ideological goals that are at work. Um, they they want to fundamentally change the political and governmental landscape and change our relationship with the government, as they've been working on for a while. Spent a lot of time talking about this yesterday. Uh, in the meantime, because we are going to talk about uh, about um, uh, the the, uh, the the Trump case, I want to start with Hunter Biden, though, for a minute, because, so they released Hunter Biden's deposition. Hunter Biden finally testified behind closed doors. Uh, it has opened up the way to have him testify in an open hearing. I, I have not reviewed the whole thing. I have been trying to review it, but it is 230 pages of, of, of testimony, and. Um, Now, from what I understand, and I could be proven wrong in the interim. So, when I started looking at it, it was uh, uh, about four thirty this morning. um, That I did not see anything in which they asked uh, uh, Comer and Company asked the most important question. Let me explain why this is, that I think this is the important question. So there are a lot of allegations. Obviously, we as the American people need to know if the office of the Vice President of the United States was up for sale while Joe Biden was Vice President. That we need to know. Uh, We need to know uh, if Joe Biden was getting money from foreign governments and foreign government-controlled entities in the years between when he was Vice President of the United States and when he became President of the United States. Right. Right. Keep in mind. Why, is, why, why, why do I hammer on this? Because we went through this whole rigmarole during the Trump presidency in which multiple attorneys general, including the attorney general of Maryland, which is the state where I used to do radio, wasted taxpayer dollars to sue Donald Trump under something called the Emoluments Clause of the Constitution, claiming that Trump was somehow being influenced by people spending maybe $1,500 a night at the Trump Hotel, getting a suite at the Trump Hotel. Which I found insane and inane then, and I still find it inane. But this is wholly different than, uh, you know, the vice president who exerted major influence over public policy when he was out of office. Still, you know, and and, and all through. I mean, it's one of these things. I said this this morning. If you go through this testimony that hunter biden gave the little bit that i've been able to see so far it paints a crazy picture of of white privilege i mean hunter biden is the poster child for white privilege what do i what do i mean by that i mean let me let me let me find this this is this is just crazy on on the part of of hunter biden you know his resume here um he, he, he was with uh, he was he, uh, he was executive director of uh, e-commerce policy coordination with the within the Department of Commerce during the Clinton administration. He founded and built a successful, this is I'm reading from his testimony here, founded and built a successful law from Alricher, Biden and Bel Air, which I don't know what happened to that. It obviously couldn't have been too successful because it didn't last that long. I then uh, uh, founded and built a successful small business in advising global infrastructure. And alternative investment clients. He served on the following boards. Listen to this. He was appointed by President Bush. I don't know if it was, uh, I'm assuming it was uh, a Bush 45, which uh, or Bush 43, I mean, which gets to his judgment. I was appointed by President Bush to the, to the Amtrak board, rose to the level of vice chairman and head of the corporate governance committee, which explains why Amtrak hasn't improved in decades. He served on the board of the Center for National Policy as chairman. He served on the board of the Jesuit Volunteer Corps Northwest. He served on the board of the Trubin National Security Project as chairman. He served on the chairman's advisory board of the National Democratic Institute. He served on the board of Catholic Charities. He served on the board of the US UN World Food Program. He was chairman of that board. I mean, this is insane. As someone else pointed out, I think it was my co-host this morning, these are jobs you get when you are at the end of your career where you've already done service. If you're getting it at the beginning of your career, it's obvious to curry some kind of favor with some kind of powerful person. He served as an adjunct professor at Georgetown School of Foreign Service, and he also served as of counsel uh, for a a major law firm called Boyce, Schiller, and Flexner. That is a a major law firm. David Boyce is a major prominent lawyer, major prominent Democrat lawyer. He represented Al Gore in the Bush v. Gore litigation. I I mean, you just sit there and you read this, and you're like, oh, my God, this is your quintessential case Of somebody falling up in in America so I'm I'm reading this and one thing immediately jumped out to me I want to find this so this is a full-on deposition uh, with Democrat and Republican members of Congress there and we're on page 12 we haven't gotten into anything substantive Comer's trying to do the introductions here and and uh, they asked the question as to when the deposition is going to be released. Comer says, we want to put out the transcript within a day. Nadler says, within a day, very good. And Eric Swalwell, and I almost dropped an F-bomb right there. I'm tired, guys. I'm sorry. Swalwell pops in and says, in English or Russian, you know, the, 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 the just, the scuzziest kind of a comment. You know, a bad, bad joke at a time when there shouldn't be joking. By the way, you know, let's not forget that this is a guy who avoided the lawfully issued congressional subpoena. He avoided his initial testimony. Finally, they get him to come in, and you got Swalwell making jokes, and uh, Comer Comer slaps him down and says, uh, we, you know, we're not going to tolerate outbursts like we had the last time, which means that. Swalwell's been acting like a jerk. Oh, and by the way, who is Eric Swalwell uh, to comment on on anybody's you know uh, national loyalty when he was betting himself, allegedly betting himself with an alleged Chinese spy? You want to talk about tone deaf? So I, I got a problem with that. I got you know I, with that. But then the other thing is, and and again, maybe it's buried somewhere and I just haven't found it. I am very disturbed by the fact that nobody asked Eric's uh, nobody asked Hunter Biden whether or not he had any conversations with his father about his avoidance of his congressional testimony. Because I got to tell you, as I, this is where I was teeing off. And again, if I wasn't tired, I, I would have uh, uh, summed this up much, much better. I apologize. Tied him together better. Because, yes, it is absolutely important to know if the, vice president is, uh, the president of the United States was a crook when he was vice president, was acting as an agent for foreign governments between the time when he was vice president and then president of the United States. But if the president of the United States were having conversations with his son about avoiding a lawfully issued subpoena in the president's own impeachment inquiry at Congress, that is, in and of itself, an impeachable offense. And the American people have an absolute and fundamental right to know whether or not such conversations took place. And I'm not just speaking, you know, uh, theoretically here. Hunter Biden shows up on on uh, at the Capitol and has a press conference instead of showing up for his testimony. Then goes off to his father's house in Delaware and then flies back to Washington D.C. a couple of days later on Air Force Two, the the you know the presidential helicopter. Given the fact that Hunter was talking at length about his conversations with his dad and how he always talks to his dad, one would think this might have come up. The only thing we do know for certain is that Hunter Biden, he can't remember much of anything because he was either drunk or high at the time on crack cocaine. The only thing he does remember with perfect clarity is that his dad was never involved in his business dealings. Yeah, we, uh, we, uh, we, we accept that. Listen, we're going to be talking with uh, uh, lawyer, um, Federal Society uh, lawyer, uh, Ken Davis, in a moment. I'm Andrew Langer. This is Tony Katz Today. We are back, everybody. And there is breaking news that I'm trying to find out from uh, uh, Epoch Times, which I don't have a subscription to. Sue me. um, uh, Is reporting that uh, an appeals court overturned some January 6th defendants' sentence or sentences i don't know so if you have anything if you find anything tweet at me at andrew underscore langer uh at uh, on twitter to, to find out joining us right now uh, his name is ken davis he is a lawyer he was uh, the former deputy ag in virginia he works with the federal society does a lot of writing for them uh ken let's start here with uh with the latest <laughs> we have this illinois judge interposing herself in in the election mess apparently her only background is that she uh, handled low-level misdemeanors and traffic cases are you familiar with this what's going on in illinois
1: well andrew um, and it's good to be with you Uh, this is part of just the latest installment in illinois of the ongoing relentless irresponsible, destabilizing, partisan lawfare that's being waged against uh, former President Trump and his uh, campaign for re-election. Illinois, this official in Illinois, like um, those in Colorado and a number of other states, have uh, decided uh, that uh, they must, in order to defend in quotes, our democracy, unquote. They must uh, bar former President Trump from the 2024 ballots, uh, primary ballots, general election ballots, any and all ballots, keep him out of the election process. Why? Well, because they claim in all these cases that he is ineligible uh, for uh, re-election or even to appear on the ballot because on January 6th, he engaged in insurrection and therefore under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution that was passed after the Civil War, um, he is barred from um, appearing on the ballot. Yeah. Now, the Supreme, the Supreme Court has this uh, case out of Colorado, same case, same issues. Um, they heard it. Um, they appeared from the oral argument to be extremely skeptical uh, for good reason uh, about this, uh, this kind of claim, this kind of action. So I would expect that sooner or later they will um, throw out, knock down the... Uh, Colorado effort, and in so doing, uh, legally uh, discredit uh, all such cases. But uh, that's what should happen. That's what uh, should happen. There's no constitutional basis, no historical basis uh, for uh, for this kind of an action. But as I say, it's only one type of initiative. Right. Um, and the, the the real significance, the real problem, the real threat, um, and if you will, the threat, the actual threat to democracy, um, is the um, is the willful, unqualified, continuing, politicized use of the legal system. Right. To go after, go after. Uh, a political opponent, right, right, and we and we and
0: we know that this is being done for a whole host of reasons. You know, to deny him resources, to distract him, to sully his reputation among independent voters. Here, let me ask you this: and we're talking with Ken Davis. Um, you you heard the oral argument. You've heard the reporting on the oral argument. You've or seen the reporting on the oral argument. Um, you know, you can get a sense sometimes as to where the court is going to go and who is going to vote. Where, based upon the questions that are being asked, did you get any sense as to whose minds are where? Are we looking at a a 5-4 decision? Are we looking at 6-3, 7-2? I mean, what what are we we looking at here? Well,
1: I think and I certainly hope that the numbers should be um, high and approaching unanimity. I mean, you know, the court, uh, the chief justice, uh, any chief justice with any case, Looks um, among other things uh, to see if there is a legally sound uh, basis to form uh, the largest possible majority opinion. Right. Just because uh, that's uh, that's good law. It's good uh, judicial practice, and it's certainly healthy for the uh, uh, for the country, especially in um, times when we are. Uh, politically polarized and and greatly divided you don't want uh, significant significant issues uh, to be uh, decided by five four right because there's already uh, too much uh, uh, political pressure on the court and political attention paid to the court and and uh, a c- political characterization of the court as an institution so um it's always good to have a bigger majority. I, I think uh, this could be 7-2 or maybe maybe even uh, unanimous. That would be the best outcome because there's simply no basis uh, for, for these actions. I mean, it, it says the actual text of the, um, uh, that part of the 14th Amendment says no person shall hold any office under the United States, who have previously taken an oath as an officer of the United States to support the Constitution, right. shall, shall have engaged in insurrection against the same, insurrection or rebellion. Now, as a threshold matter, Section 3 doesn't even apply to the office of the presidency. Right. The term officer of the United States refers only to appointed officials, not elected ones. That's been clear for um, well over a hundred years. There was a Supreme Court decision in 1888, and right. that's that's really not uh, contested. Um, they uh, so it doesn't it doesn't even apply, and they could just they could deal with it. Uh, that way, let even me, if you
0: assume. Oh, sorry. Yes. No. Let me just ask you this, because because I just want to make sure we, we get this out there, because we're running, running low on time here. Um, you know, it's taken some time. We had expected a decision out of the court. You know, the last couple of days, last couple of weeks. The fact that they are that they are taking their sweet time would seem to indicate to me that you have a lot of different decisions going around. Um, that which would seem to indicate that there were a lot of justices who will concur on the central issue they'll agree on the central issue but they'll concur in part and dissent in part but that the overall ruling will be that he stays on the ballot but for different reasons what are your thoughts there
1: no i think that's uh, that's good analysis certainly the case uh after oral argument um there's a good deal of um uh informal and formal uh discussions conferences they have a weekly conference um on friday to uh uh, discuss cases that have been argued, and um, and and drafts, draft opinions are right. circulated among the justices uh, to see uh, the the right justice. We'll see who might agree with him, right, and so forth. Um, and uh, the chief justice oversees all of that. Again, with the. Um, um, the procedural uh, point of this uh, again is to see how broad, right, the can, consensus
0: can be. Sure, uh, can, can hey, be hey, constructed. Hey,
1: Ken, we we gotta we gotta leave
0: it there. Uh, 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 Jay Kennerly Davis, uh, uh, attorney at law. Thank you so very much for joining us today. Thank you, Andrew. Good Appreciate it. That was uh, Ken Davis. He he does a lot of work with the Federal Society. He's an attorney, former assistant or deputy attorney general in the Commonwealth of Virginia. We're going to continue this conversation. With uh, Matthew Forice or Fories, Jason's going to help me figure out how to pronounce his last name from the Landmark Legal Foundation. I'm Andrew Langer. And for Tony Katz today, this is Tony Katz today Jason knows me so well. He knows, he knows I'm i uh, your boy is tired and he puts on the tubes for me to get me pumped. Jason, the only thing that'll make it better is that the next thing you play is on the loose by Saga. Right uh, there we go. No, are you kidding me? It's still gonna be fun when you when you when you play it anyway. Joining us now, Matthew Forey's landmark legal foundation. Oh, my goodness. So glad you could join us, good sir. We just had a conversation with Ken Davis about uh, the lawfare against President Trump and what's going on in the Supreme Court. I'm going to start off the same way I started off with him, uh, uh, Matt, which is uh, this, this, this Illinois case, uh, the, the traffic court judge who's thrown Trump off the ballot. We really are in insane times, aren't we?
2: Yeah, we are. And it reminds me of the old saying that you can get nibbled to death by ducks. Yes. And that's kind of what's happening.
0: <laughs> I'm reminded of Aunt B from, uh, from the Andy of Mayberry show, who is uh, allegedly nibbled to death by her cats.
2: <laughs> that sounds a little bit more painful. Yes, but, uh, just a bit. But uh, basically they're going, you know, full court press on them and trying to tie them up all over the country with the, you know, the judgment in the civil fraud case in New York. This is one more venue where he's had to expend time and energy uh, and, exp- and expense uh, to defend himself in Illinois.
0: So let me ask you this, Matt, because you're with Landmark Legal Foundation, and folks, by the way, there is a network of uh, conservative and free market and limited government public interest legal foundations out there. Landmark being at the top uh, of 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 that uh, that pile, you know, among the the best of the best of these organizations. You guys are, I believe, a 501c3 organization, which means that donations to you are tax deductible. But as a result, you cannot engage in electioneering activity i've spent a lot of time in the 501c3 501c4 world explain to me how these cases that 501c3s are filing to get donald trump off the ballot in places like colorado and illinois and michigan and elsewhere how do these cases not violate these legal organizations 501c3 status
2: well you can you can do it and when you're uh framing your arguments in like a good government uh type way so that it's it's really about the law being violated and you can imagine i mean like give a little deference to the other side if someone's civil rights were being violated because they're denied the right to vote um you could have a 501c3 uh, person being uh representing them sure okay? and so they uh, as a surface matter it, they are meeting the standard of the irs if they are representing uh a voter who is claiming that there's a civil rights violation now, I don't know. that. They're, they're I, I, openly sorry, ab- I'm sorry. No, no. Go ahead. I was if they were openly advocating the election of a candidate. That's what gets them into hot water. Has or that been? Has that been
0: tested in court? Because that I would like. That I would like to see. I would even just the challenge out there. I'm sorry. Not that I need to. We need to. We need to litigate this between the two of us right now. But that's something I would. I would love to see. Um, at least just the challenge made. But I, I see the argument that you're making. I appreciate that because you're the first person who's actually been able to ar- art- articulate that to me. So we've had these arguments up before the Supreme Court in the Colorado case. We are eagerly awaiting a decision or decisions. Um, Again, let me ask you this. Uh, um, First of all, your impressions of the argument, did you get any sense as to how these justices were leaning?
2: Yeah, absolutely. The bottom line is that, it went very well for Trump and that's in Trumpy Anderson the Colorado ballot case. And they were held uh, February eighth. We've all been sitting around Washington expecting it to the opinion to be released at any moment and we keep getting surprised when with every day that it does not.
0: Um so I'm I'm thinking that there is time that is being taken for people to write people, for the justices to write a multitude of opinions. I'm assuming what's gonna happen is that at the end of the day, there's going to be a, a solid majority um, uh, overturning these decisions by these lower courts, that they are going to argue to keep Donald Trump on the ballot, but there will be a variety of justifications for it, thus uh, this concept of I concur in part, I dissent in part. Uh, am I am I reading those tea leaves properly?
2: Well, yeah, I think there's probably uh, some maneuvering going on behind the scenes, because The Chief Justice, John Roberts, has has made it clear that in cases where there's like a lot of uh, hot, you know, uh, hot feeling, uh, political cases, he likes to have the court speak with one voice. So they would they would really like to get a majority opinion that a lot of the justices join in on. So but during the argument, um, there were concerns raised. Many major topics by both liberal and conservative justices. Uh, There are four of them that I saw, real brief. There's just the fact it's a potential disenfranchisement of millions of voters if you remove them from the ballot. There's the idea that if they uh, if they uphold the Colorado court, that's empowering a single state to determine a national election. Potentially, there's also the likelihood that blue and red states go tit for tat afterwards and disqualify each other's candidates. And then there's also the problem that there, it's very haphazard how different states could have different standards of evidence, standards of proof when they conduct disqualification files. So that was all leading towards, you know, the general consensus that they're not going to uphold the Colorado court's opinion. Right.
0: Well, it's interesting stuff. I mean, obviously, we need this decision here. We got this situation uh, out of Illinois uh where they are they're trying to uh you know where we, we had this this here let me let just sort of turn it to some of the other things you guys are working on, because I think it's important for folks to understand what Landmark Legal Foundation does. And, of course, what you should all know, Mark Levin uh, has been a, you know, chairman of, of Landmark for, for a very long time. Uh, you guys are working on all kinds of stuff. You're working on uh, stuff having to do with the constitutionality of the, of the CFPB, uh, the ban on corporate political spending in Massachusetts, whether or not that violates the First Amendment. Um, uh, talk about some of these things that you guys are involved in.
2: Right. Now, the hottest one that's, that's open at the time, uh, open right now, is there was a case called Moore versus United States, and it was about a provision in the tax code. I know that sounds uh, you know, like you're eye-glazing at people as nope. you're uh, your taxes, right? But we know that people on the left, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, they all want to come after your wealth, right? They're running out of money to, to fund all their ideas. Right. So they want to have the power to tax billionaires uh, directly of of their, you know, their assets and not their income. So there was a challenge to a tax statute that said there was this uh, husband and wife who owned, uh, stock in a foreign corporation, and they got hit with a tax bill basically uh, retroactively, okay, and they were taxed on a proportion of their ownership interest. I know this sounds dry, but basically it was being taxed on their shares because they never received a dividend, they never sold the shares. So this is a very important first step towards uh, a wealth tax. Right. There are some some constitutional hurdles that weren't met. Now, unfortunately, the the argument did not go well. We're hopeful that it will go our way. But at the very least, I think they're going to narrow it a little bit without completely opening the door for the wealth tax.
0: Wow, I mean, listen—that would be that would be huge if 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 that happens. That is that is that is great stuff here. Um, you know, you guys are also working on border security and, and immigration issues. Talk a little bit about that as
2: well. Sure. For now, a long time we've uh, we've represented a group of angel families, and we try to submit briefs and, and uh, immigration cases they come up. There are a group of people, many people around the United States who've had loved ones who were killed at the hands of an illegal immigrant. And, of course, anytime you lose a family member or a loved one, it's, it's shocking. But it's so much worse when it's at the hands of somebody who is never allowed to be here in the country in the first place. And you see happening happening in Georgia. You know, it's just at some point we have to say enough is enough, right? We, we're letting in people into the United States. There's zero vetting. You don't know who they are it's it's importing chaos right and that kind of stuff has to stop so we try to file an immigration cases when we can um not anything currently but we're always on the lookout uh for new cases and you know uh what was interesting that there was kind of a showdown between texas and the federal government about defense there was a lot of misreporting on what happened there um that case is is still open and we we should expect some kind of uh briefing and, and those issues in the future. Appreciate that. Hey, uh,
0: we're talking with uh, um, uh, Matt uh, Um I know I screwed that up. What, Matt, how do you pronounce your last name? Foreis. Foreis. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Even Jason told me what it was. Matt um, Have you? Are you tracking at all with this situation with this investigative reporter for The Blaze who's been arrested? Have you heard about this?
2: I did see that this morning. And the only thing I'm aware of is that, you know, his indictment was under seal, so I'm not even sure what it was about. Um, and I know he was – he showed up for arrest, and there was going to be more information coming out. I'm not quite sure yet it. what it was, but, you know, he was handcuffed, and I believe he was told it was for a nonviolent misdemeanor. So it's, uh, it's one more of these very troubling indications of, of you know, the politicization of, of – you know law enforcement and the department of justice it's very troubling to see them going after a journalist
0: especially yes especially cuz it's a journalist right and hey, listen right. in a, in an environment which which any any political hack can become an artist and make huge sums of of untraceable money uh, by by selling his artwork which by the way I keep telling everybody if you're a politician in America become an artist because all of a sudden you can start selling your artwork to anybody and and you know under the Hunter Biden precedent no one Will blink an eye. Uh, this is a very disturbing trend. Listen, uh, Matt. Thank you very much for joining us today.
2: Thanks very much for having me. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do, we're at landmarklegal.org.
0: Landmarklegal.org is the website. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, when we return, we're going to talk a little bit more about this uh, this uh, situation with the blaze. I'm Andrew Langer. In for Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. Amazing, amazing! Listen, out of obscure '80s bands, uh, uh, Saga's got to be the obscurest. Yes, I know that's not a real world. I, I, uh, I appreciate this, man. This is exactly what I need at uh, uh, at, at this point in time during my day. Uh, I'm Andrew Langer. I'm in for uh, I am in for Tony Katz today. I'll be in for Tony, by the way, uh, Monday through Thursday of next week. While Tony is in Israel, we'll be getting updates from him. Please follow his social media if you're not already. Um, got a really disturbing story that popped up this morning. Um, a guy named Stephen Baker, who is an investigative journalist for The Blaze, uh, who was on the Capitol grounds reporting on what was going on on the Capitol grounds, and has been also. Uh, writing about the the uh, false narratives of January 6th uh, has been uh, arrested. And, and by the way, let's also be really clear about this. January 6th happened um, three years ago, more than three years ago. Uh, we are now at, uh, uh, at uh, um, uh, March 1 of 2021, so more than three years later. And he was charged... Well, first of all, he didn't know what the charges were. Basically, he had a lawyer, and and I guess uh, you know maybe he had retained this lawyer after the FBI had first contacted him, um, and so they were going through his lawyer. He was he was told, or his lawyer was told that they were not going to tell him what he was being charged with. He just had to surrender himself at the courthouse in uh, um, uh, at, at the courthouse in D.C. Um, um, Without knowing what the charges were against him because they were, quote unquote, afraid he was going to tweet them out on social media or put them out on social media. God forbid that he exercises First Amendment rights to defend himself publicly when he's being paraded uh, in, in front of the media. He told him they wanted him to show up, don't uh, wear a suit, wear shorts and flip-flops because they know it'll make it easier to uh, to put him in his orange jumpsuit. Which, oh, by the way, if it's just an in-and-out thing that they were promising him, then he should be able to go in and get arraigned and then leave without being put into uh, an orange jumpsuit. Just just, it, it, I mean, this is where we are. And, and I want to play this. I pulled this um, and and didn't know if I was going to get to it. But this is this is Whoopi Goldberg. Now, now, here's the thing. I know Whoopi Goldberg's an idiot, and she's a comedian, and she's an actress, and she's on, you know, with a bunch of other harpies on a TV show called The View. But that being said, as a comedian, she should know a little bit something about the First Amendment and should understand a little something about the problems of criminalizing the exercise of free speech, whether you are... A journalist or a comedian or somebody else who engages in First Amendment activity for for a living. Yet uh, this is what she had to say yesterday on the View. Let's play cut to. Well, the Supreme Court won't hear oral arguments until the end
2: of April. Now, I just you know, just let's look at a scenario where. The Supreme Court says yes he has that he has
0: all those rights he is immune from everything.
2: Yeah. You know what Joe Biden could do since he is presently president? What? Whoa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he could throw every Republican in jail.
0: Yeah. I mean he could. I mean no Actually, no, no, no. This is not a because good thing. He would only totally he can yeah. go he, What this means is it's uh-huh. he can do anything. Yeah.
2: He could
1: dismiss everybody's debt yeah. You know, there's a whole
2: bunch of great stuff that could happen. But let's
0: let's really look at what this means. Yeah. So if, that so they're basically mm-hmm. kicking the can down the road though. They okay. they're not taking up this case immediately. <laughs> right. So what's right. their motivation then? If they if we all know that we they can't do what you just said because right. of the extreme power that a president would have, right. what is their p- motivation for not doing it right away? Well
1: unfortunately some people are saying the motivation <laughs> is that there
0: are certain conservative justices that have been appointed by Trump that want to help
2: him uh, yeah and yeah, because
0: because, we because the- all right that's okay it, you know b- because obviously we know that democrats democrat justices democrat judges they never engage uh, in this kind of behavior they never 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 do that here's the thing to keep in mind what everybody seems to miss in all of this we have a thing called an impeachment clause so if a president violates his oath of office and engages in high crimes and misdemeanors oh i don't know like arresting his opposition. Then, then, then the president can be impeached, removed from office, voted on a removal from office, and then he could be tried and convicted. But you can't hijack the process. You know, again, remember Donald Trump was impeached for this insurrection garbage in, in, uh, you know, after January sixth happened when he wasn't even president of the United States, and it failed. I guess he was still president of the United States. It's I'm a little fuzzy, guys. It, it's all blurs into the past. It's more than three years old. But, yeah, Whoopi Goldberg wants to go full fascist. I mean, that's that's where we are. That's what they want anyway. They want the power. You know that if Democrats felt that they had the power to arrest their political opponents, they would go and do so. And how do I know this? Because they engage in that kind of behavior anyway. The lawfare against Donald Trump generally, but it, goes, it was happening before then the harassment of conservative and libertarian organizations by the obama administration the harassment of organizations now by the biden administration listen monday we're going to be talking more about this john schweppi is going to join us from the american principles project uh elaine parker is going to join us pedro orta former cia case officer john burlow from the competitive enterprise institute check me out at andrew underscore langer on twitter have a great weekend everybody have fun and please stay safe oh thanks jason